As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So, like, I didn't even know that it was his birthday on that day, so it was funny because when I called him, he's, uh, do it again. I love this song. Meep, meep, meep. Hang on. Bam, beep, 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 beep. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, January 15th, 2024. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory, wishing you a meaningful MLK Day. Alongside me, as always, Tass Mellis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. Next to him, it's the bearded woman, Tasha Hotboy, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. And over yonder, the man making the magic happen, super producer, JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Smash that like button. Subscribe to No Dunks. Tell a friend about No Dunks. Comment away in the stream team. Podcast listeners, leave your boys a five-star rating and review. We are here on a Monday to do the winners and losers of the NBA weekend. We jump right into the winners because we've got a lot to talk about. And we got to pick everything from Sunday's Kings-Bucks game as a winner of the weekend. Especially Damian Lillard doing a little Dame time on Sunday. Swishing a three-pointer at the buzzer. In overtime to give the Bucks the stunning 143-142 victory over the Kings. Man, the Kings were up, what, four late in overtime? And then Brooke Lopez made a three in the corner. And then you had Fox missing one of the free throws. You had Monk also missing free throws. They let the door open. Then they doubled Giannis on the inbounds there. <laughs> Maybe a poor decision. Maybe that's the <laughs> one guy you want to have the ball. Uh, you know, Could full be. court... Up two, but instead, uh, Dame throws it into Brooke. Brooke gives it back to Dame, and Dame pulls up and and does what Damian Lillard does, splashing a very difficult, you know, thirty footer at the buzzer. What a shot! Sort of difficult. Well, sort, sort of yeah, difficult. Sort of yeah. for Dame, not that difficult. No, I loved no. afterwards. You mentioned Skeets. He hit the Dame time, Selly. Afterwards, he's like, my teammates have been asking me, how come you haven't brought out Dame time? I said <laughs> it wasn't necessary. Right. Tonight, 
It was necessary, and it absolutely was. That was awesome. Uh, by Lillard, definitely a what a free throws do win games cool. type of game. You mentioned the Kings were up by four with 33 seconds left in overtime. They blew it. That's after the Bucks led by five with 52 seconds left in regulation, and they blew it. Mm-hmm. Just make one free throw, either <laughs> of these teams, and you win the game here. Uh, and then, yeah, you're right. Maybe they should have let Giannis catch the ball on the inbounds, but on the previous play... He had just taken the ball, ran right down the court, and found Brooke Lopez yeah. for a three in the corner. So he probably rampages to the hoop and ties it up. But you go, you'll have to play another overtime uh, if that's the case. But just awesome stuff. This is a fun game, you know. Shout out to my stepbrother. He texted me during this one. He's like, "This is a fun game." Mm. So I had to hop in because I was locked in on the Lions right there. You got to see the first uh, first playoff victory in thirty something years. Uh, so I hopped over in just enough time uh, to see Dame rip the Kings' hearts out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was great to see Chris Middleton in that plaid. He came out because uh, he wasn't playing. Came out over and celebrated with Damian Lillard. Everybody's celebrating with Damian Lillard. I guess the Kings were confused because. In regulation, Dame had another chance to try and win the game, but he had far less time to get the shot off. So maybe the Kings thought that, oh, they don't have a lot of time. So if we just double Giannis, things will work out. Uh, then going into uh, to overtime, I, I turned it off when Pat Connaughton went to the free throw line with 18 seconds left. The Bucks were up four. I thought it was over, uh, but he, he missed a couple free throws, so I shut it off. I was done. I thought we were going to be reading headlines about the Bucks just can't play defense, that kind of thing, because the Bucks literally gave this game away at the end of regulation with a couple missed free throws with other things happening, but the Kings just fought back. Kings coach Mike Brown ejected in the fourth after storming onto the court, screaming at the referees. And, uh, you know, he had to be restrained by Malik Monk and Sacramento players and other coaches. And then, because he had uh, some time to work with back in the locker room, in his post-game news conference, (laughs) Mike Brown broke out the laptop. He showed up with receipts and went on an epic rant about the officiating and how they were inconsistent. And he's pointing out particular plays where Dame got a call, but Fox did it and so on. Um, I mean, we are just the year of 2024, the year of the coach's rant right now, coming on the heels of Darko. And now Mike Brown uh, in the, this five minute you know, clip that you're seeing, very calm, I will say. You know, Darko was fiery, mm-hmm. but very hilarious with the laptop. And you know, the fine is coming for this man as well. Oh, man, worth it. 25K. Uh, you can already see how happy the Kings players were. Monk is, like, laughing and giggling as he's helping escort Mike Brown off the court when he got kicked out. Yep. And then to see uh, Mike Brown completely go in uh, <laughs> on the referees afterwards, I thought it was awesome. If you're a Kings fan, if you're a Kings player, you're like, that's my coach. I'll yep. do anything for that guy. And like you're saying, the complete opposite end of the spectrum from Darko Ryakovich's rant, he was angry. I felt like... Mike Brown was, like, theatrical. Oh, yeah. He was performing. His giant hand motions were completely filling the frame. Anthony Slater, great cinematography. The slow zooms onto the laptop so you can actually see where the fouls are. He's doing all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff. And he made a compelling case. Yeah. Like, these are pretty minor calls that he's talking about. Like, the placement of Fox's hand on Dame Lillard or campaign hooking Fox's arm. The way DeMontis Sabonis challenges a shot with his forearm and it was okay for Brooke Lopez to right. do it. Like, you have to actually see the footage to know what he's talking about and to kind of understand why he even got tossed because it looked like hardly anything happened yeah. in real time when he got uh, the boot. But uh, I was on Mike Brown's side with this one. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. It was uh, the clip. He's like looking right at the camera. He's it's like perfect. talking to each and every one of us. He's not really talking... 
It feels like to the reporters, yeah. he's like talking to us or to Silver and to the Referee Association. Right, right. Uh, so maybe that adds to the theatrics of it all. Yeah, I guess Darko Ryakovich was sort of the opening act, and and <laughs> Mike Brown wanted to close this baby because it seemed like he was absolutely trying to sell it. Shout out to the video coordinator for the Sacramento Kings, Depeche Mystery. Uh, the, he's, as as Mike Brown got in here, he said, "Hey, Dip, give me that, give me that, give me that, vid, give me that, give me that computer." And he brought out the computer that Depeche Mishy just recently just had showed him and cut everything. That was the thing that Ryakovich was lacking, I guess, the, 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 the video. Uh, but it was a bunch of a small few plays, and they asked Malik Monk, like, "What the hell happened? How did Mike Brown get tossed?" And he just said. I guess they're bad calls. Um, they're they're just bad calls. But you can't you can't go into the details like we tried to here on the show without the video. So shout out to Mike Brown. Yeah, Golden he was, Globe. He was going to win an award. I he think. was just pissed off about why is it called on one end and it's not called on the other. You're not calling it consistently. And then he even is going so far as saying like we've asked about this whole verticality, two hands up. Can I have one hand down like a forearm? And they keep telling us basically <laughs> different things. That's also you can tell pissing him and his staff off. Like every time we ask about this, you sort of get one answer, and then they call it another way. So you can see why he's frustrated. Uh, lost in the Kings collapse. Was a good performance from uh, once benched guard Kevin Herter. He had a good game: twenty-six points, ten of fourteen shooting, six threes. He hit a big one there, a clutch deep uh, three that you know should have given Sacramento maybe uh, the lead for good in overtime. But you know this guy wasn't playing a lot, and for him to get going was nice. This was a fun, fun game. Uh, both the fifty-three minutes they played on the floor, and then continuing with Mike Brown in the post-game press conference. You would assume, I guess, is he just going to get another? 25 K yeah. like, like Darko got is that the, that's what the going rate is for a coach's rant. I assume must be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just, it just stinks because the refs decide, Oh, you're touching a guy on defense. You're out, but you can't do anything on defense anymore. So you're allowed to touch. Yeah. I think you should be allowed to, but that's what Mike Brown was pointing out. Sometimes you let us touch. Sometimes you don't. It really didn't make any sense, but. I'm thankful we got that. Well, he would have been probably kicked out in overtime if he was still there because there was a play. It was early in overtime, but uh, Fox got hit on the arm on a three-point shot, and it like came up like three feet short, and he's looking right away. And even the broadcast of Bucks broadcast is like, yeah, I think uh, Dame got away with sort of getting them there on the arm. So uh, they missed that one, but yeah. still Sacramento should have won the game. Like they got back into it, and they had the game, and if they could have just – like Monk is like a – See, like an 85% free throw shooter? It was weird to see him miss two. Yeah. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are at the line. You see guys that are money at the line miss one of two, like yeah. Fox did, and he's not even nearly as good as Monk is at the line. That was that was strange, and he had missed a couple even more in the game. Yeah, I th- I, you're right. I thought we were going to get some more referee coaches fighting, even with Mike Brown out of there, because Jordy Fernandez, he's a pretty vocal guy for the Kings. <laughs> yeah. I saw Jay Trano, my Canadian idol, uh, sitting there on the Kings bench, too. I thought they wanted to fight a little bit, uh, because, yeah, the coaching was just... I mean, sorry, the refereeing was a little odd. Uh, just quick trivia question as we wrap up this game. Damian Lillard, that shot the buzzer beater, game time, was his 2,500th three-pointer of his career. What a way to get that. Can you name the uh, four guys in NBA history that have more threes made than our guy, Damian Lillard? Stephen Curry. That's correct. He's number one. Reggie Miller. Number four. Ray Allen. Number two. And so number Corver? three is Vince Carter? No. Cor- Jason not Terry. Corver, not Terry. No, no. LeBron? No. Who is number three? Current yeah, player, though. I used to know, know this. It's... James Harden? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Bingo. James Harden has 2,845 three-pointers made. 
All of them are step backs. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. One hundred percent step backs. All right, let's keep it going here. Uh, Tass, who do you got for a winner of the weekend? Oh, we can talk about some more referee versus coach problems here. Um, I got the Utah Jazz. Remember the teams that they beat last week? The ref, the the Raptors and the and the Lakers. Obviously, we remember the Raptors. Darko Ryakovic yelling about the refereeing, uh, but the Jazz beat up on both of those teams this weekend. The Raps, I think, still found a way to smile. I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. On Friday, Pascal Siakam came back. No, he has not been traded yet. So he was back for the Raptors against the Jazz, and the Jazz were a problem. They crushed the Raptors with 145 points. Just the way they move the ball and get wherever they want. They had the Raps defense moving all over the place, so they were getting into the lane. 58-32 to 32 in the paint. That's a huge, huge discrepancy. Uh, and maybe it was the Raptors' last game of a six-game road trip. Maybe they're a little tired. They're ready to go home and watch the back-to-back of the Lakers versus Jazz the next day because it was exciting. They played the the Lakers on Saturday. The Raps must have less loved this. The Jazz shot 39 free throws while the Lakers only had 24 in that <laughs> game. Okay, smile first, number one for Darko Ryakovich. And then it was just an alley-oop party. Uh, for the for the Jazz in this one, Larry Markkinen got one from County George, Kelly Olynyk, the Canadian, found Ochai Abaji, Colin Sexton from Jordan Clarkson. They were literally just dunking on the Lakers. I liked how John Collins pulled Anthony Davis out of the paint where he likes to defend. So that just kind of helped everything. The Jazz have won five in a row and eleven of thirteen. And then uh, just a, another another little jab for Darko Ryakovich and the Raptors here. I think the Raptors must love this. Because the Jazz, they struggled to start the season, 10-18. and 18. A big reason was Taylor Horton Tucker was their starting point guard. They just couldn't find anything with him, just like at the end of the last season. So they put him to the bench, and then they took him out of the entire rotation. And that's why they've gotten so good recently. Taylor Horton Tucker is a former Laker. He could be a Toronto Raptor. Do you remember Kyle Lowry? He was, he was up for trade mm-hmm. with the Raptors, and the, the Lakers said... No, we're not giving you Taylor Horton Tucker for Kyle Lowry. <laughs> um, well, that was a mistake. He ended up going to Miami. Now the, the Lakers are so desperate for a guard. Uh, they could have Kyle Lowry standing there. So I think the Raptors were just happy to see uh, the way the Jazz have come out and play. They're 10 and 18 to start. <laughs> the Raptors are happy to yeah, Jazz. Weird, yeah, this is yeah, a crazy yeah, winner. Well, the Raptors have problems with Lakers. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, just it's, this is just a Raps. Little, little jabs about everything. Uh, Laker. Anything. They could have Kyle Lowry, so it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do here. Uh, three and a half weeks left, but no tail and horde. Tucker started, then went to the bench. They're 10-18 and 18 to start this season. They're 11-2 and two since. They're freaking phenomenal. Utah Jazz uh, are great, and I wonder what they do with their guards, specifically about their guards, because Keontae George was great uh, for, against the Lakers. The Rook, 19 versus them, coming off the bench. They're not trading him, but behind... Uh, or in front of him is Colin Sexton, who's starting, and then Jordan Clarkson as well. So I would just wonder, I just wonder if teams looking for guards uh, may be able to pluck one of those guys away from the Utah Jazz, who are freaking rolling. I would J- imagine it's Clarkson who is available because the Jazz season turned when they started started starting Colin Sexton. They're 14-4 and four with Sexton in the starting lineup. He's putting up 21 a game, 5 assists, shooting 51 from the field, 39 from 3, and 90 at the line. 50-40-90 from Colin Sexton, basically out of nowhere. He also brings um, an intensity and a drive, I think, that you don't necessarily get from Jordan Clarkson and definitely not from Taylor Horton Tucker. So him coming into the starting lineup has been huge, yeah. uh, which means 
he's also younger, you know, than uh, Jordan Clarkson. So I assume Clarkson would be the guy uh, that would most likely be going out. The other thing that happened uh, for the Jazz is that Lowry Markkinen came back after his injury, and this guy's been awesome. He yeah. completely outplayed Anthony Davis in the win over the Lakers. 29 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists for Lowry Markkinen. Anthony Davis went for 15 points on 5 of 21 shooting, with Markkinen mainly the guy guarding him. Yeah. That was really impressive from Lowry. Jazz, 21-20. Yeah. and 20. They are in the ninth spot right now in the Western Conference. So that's in the play-in. They're above the Rockets. They're not far behind the Suns. And, yeah, more importantly, the Lakers and Warriors are still out of the actual play-in tournament, sitting at 11th and 12th, respectively. So Utah Jazz, yeah, well-deserved winner of the weekend. TK, who you got? Uh, Dwayne Wade gets a winner of the weekend. He was on hand for Heat Hornets on Sunday night. They were honoring him for making the Hall of Fame over the summer. And then Pat Riley came through, handed him... A bobblehead. And that surprised him with a statue announcement. Apparently, Wade will be getting an eight-foot-tall bronze statue in fall of 2024. It'll be the first statue outside the Heat's arena. They're using the same artist as the MJ statue, the Dirk, Shaq, Kareem. Same dude has done all of them. And then there's, like, a second collaborator in there who did, like, uh, some soccer statues as well. As long as it's not the Cristiano Ronaldo guy. (laughs) Should be good. Uh, But I love seeing Wade. He was crying. He seemed legitimately surprised that this was the case. He talked about when he was a kid, how cool it was for him to be able to go and visit the Michael Jordan statue in Chicago. Now he's the guy outside the heat that families will be coming to visit. That's really, really cool. I also saw after the game, uh, the Heat got the win, and Wade was on stage with DJ Khaled singing Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. Looks like a great night. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like a great night for Miami, and Miami had a really solid weekend as well. Uh, A couple of wins on Friday. They beat the Magic 99-96. The rare victory under 100 points. Bam was great in this one. 21 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. He hit the eventual game winner. Though Paolo Banquero had two nice looks uh, at a shot that would have, uh, I think, tied the game at that point for the Magic. He had a layup he missed. It bounced right back to him. He looked kind of shocked that it had happened, and somehow he shot it backwards because he never really had possession of the ball. On Sunday, the Heat completely spanked the Hornets. Bam went for 24, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists again. Yeah. Miami lost Jaime Hawkes Jr. to a strained groin, which is bad for them because they've got a lot of injuries right now, and he's allegedly going to be a dunk contest guy, so I don't know if a strained Mm. groin is what you want a month ahead of the dunk contest, but still, a couple of nice wins for the Heat. They're in a four-way tie for fourth in the Eastern Conference. The Cavs are 22-15, and so they're technically ahead uh, with regards to win percentage, but then the Heat, Pacers, and Knicks are all 23-16. and So my question to you guys, those four teams seem like they're going to be in the mix for the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Cavs, Heat, Pacers, Knicks. Who takes it? Who (sighs) takes that fourth seed? (sighs) Uh, it's, it's Knicks for me. I, I think they have a legitimate shot at catching uh, the 76ers for even the three seed. Um, so I, I would say that they're going to do it. And that's tough because, yeah, the Magic have dropped down to the eighth seed just because they have that tough West Coast trip. Uh, uh, tough road trip, I should say. So I it's guess deep. It's deep. That East is deep. Knicks is a good pick, uh, and I, I'm high on them as well. But, man, the Heat, like you say, they uh, pick up an injury to another key guy, and it's like – any other team, I'd be freaking out. Be like, oh, they're in trouble. The Heat, I think the opposite. I'm like, oh, that's going to make them stronger. Some other guy, like you barely hear of, is going to slot in there and suddenly start putting up huge numbers. So they're they're doing all of this without Jimmy. Like you said, Jimmy's yep. played like 
one game in like the last whatever it is. Yeah. 20 it feels like or something. It's like a long time. I think he's maybe back tonight. Is he? I think that might be the case. Um, and That's just pretty incredible. Like this is their, that's their, Bam's been amazing. I mean, the numbers that guy's putting up uh, consistently is huge. And then, you know, hero scoring and all that, everybody contributing, but that is their go-to guy. That is their dog. And they're still winning uh, at 23 and 16 first in the Southeast. So um, yeah, Knicks or Heat, it'll be a nice little battle. I hope, well, I'd like to see those two teams play against each other. Again. In a playoff. So, yeah, right. Yeah, right. they did last year. That's a good point. Um, can DJ Khaled sing? You said he sang Belle Bill DeVoe. He's just a man. He, does, he doesn't produce or sing. He just ad-libs. I know. But what was he doing for, for Belle Bill DeVoe? Just like, hey, hey. Just the point. Oh, yeah. Cause, yeah, I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. He gets it. He just gets it no matter what. He's got the Miami Heat. He's he's got the invite no matter what mm. he's there yeah. doing it he's the best <laughs> yeah let's do another round of winners uh, task go back to you who you got well you the got? Pistons and Wizards made a minor trade it's a minor trade but I think it's a win win trade okay uh, okay so the Wizards get Marvin Bagley Isaiah Livers and two second round picks from the Pistons the Pistons get Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala all right so what the, a the, blockbuster yeah it's not it's not much <laughs> but I say the Pistons. They're horrendous, obviously, this yeah. year. And I think they're pulling the plug a little bit. This is the beginning. This is not going to put them over by any means. But uh, <laughs> it, it's going to take more than just one move. But the Pistons have about $60 million free now when it comes to free agency. This summer, they have about $60 million available because if you remember Marvin Bagley, they got for the Sacramento Kings a couple of years ago, and they signed him to a three-year deal, and he was signed through next season. The only contract of all these guys in the trade that is guaranteed next season. So, they're pulling the plug. They're saying, "All right, we're not we're not we're not paying anymore." Uh after that 3 3 year contract they gave Marvin Bagley, which obviously hasn't worked out. Um and they didn't want to pay Isaiah Livers, who's, you know, struggled shooting this season. And so they said, "All right. Um but I don't think they're done. We've got three and a half weeks left till the trade deadline. They've got Boyan Bogdanovic. Uh so if a team wants a guy who can shoot, there, he's available, I'm sure. Danilo Gallinari, I'm sure as well, just to to plug onto a on the bench, or if you want a moose, Mike Muscala as well. But anyways, uh, there's that, and then the Wizards, they get Bagley. They're going to try him out. He's not been amazing this season. He's been okay, uh, and then they're going to try out Isaiah Livers, who is, you know, a, a wing sort of defender. He's shot okay in the past, but not yeah. this year. And he's played with Jordan Poole before at Michigan. So maybe you know maybe they're copying the Jalen Brunson. For the Wolverines. Yeah. yeah, that's right. They're copying what the Knicks did with Jalen Brunson and, and Josh Hart. Let's get some guys together. Maybe, maybe, maybe if anybody can pull move or pull pool back into the pool uh, just to get things right. Maybe, maybe it's Isaiah Levers. And they got two second round picks for Gallinari and Muscala, who they got when they dealt Porzingis. So it's a win, I think, for the Wizards to just try something out with Bagley and friends. But anyways, it's 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 minor. The Pistons ain't done. I don't think they're done. Uh, and they have, again, they have a lot of money. Does anybody want to play in Well, Detroit? that's the question, yeah. They open up all this cap space. For who? Well, yeah. Like we Ooh. saw last season, we saw what happened with Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, the Rockets. The Houston okay. Rockets had free cap space. Yeah. They wouldn't pay the man a lot. And Dylan Brooks. Yeah. They paid a lot. So I, I think there are chances. Now, the free agency crop is okay. Pascal Siakam is currently available. He would be phenomenal uh, on any team. Um, if the Pistons want to offer the max, who knows? Right, right. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, from there, yeah, you want to pay Toby, Tobias Harris, his potential? <laughs> he's a, he's a, he might be available. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
uh, I love this trade going down over the weekend because we were like talking about it in Slack. Okay, hey, we'll just slot it into winners and losers of the NBA weekend. And I was fascinated to see if it was going to be a winner, which Tass ultimately went with, or a loser. Because you can also turn around, especially the Pistons side of things, go, uh, they dealt two second-round picks and Trey Lyles, who's actually like a contributing basketball player, for Bagley at the deadline, what, a year or two years ago. And then they gave him that three-year, like $38 million deal when it felt like nobody else was offering any sort of money like that no. for Bagley. So they sort of, you know, bet against themselves. And then Troy Weaver turns around and trades Bagley, gets out of the final year of his contract, but has to attach two more second-round picks. I mean, just brutal move, I think, overall when you zoom out. But yeah, they shed a little more money. They have more money to throw around to maybe someone. And, and whether that'll be the right decision, we'll see. Like throwing max money or near max money at like Tobias Harris. Siakam a little different. Um, still older though. That's probably what they're going to do. Well, it's probably what they have to do when you win three games. Like they're on pace to win six games this year. Yeah, I call it a winner because the Marvin Bagley contract did not work. No. So they're pulling the plug on that. At least they said, hey, we screwed up. And, and also it sure feels like they're not going to pay James Wiseman at all. Well, yeah, they traded Sadiq Bay for that. Yeah, they so messed up there. So, so yeah. So I think they look back at the last few years and say, "All right, we got to clean this thing." Their oh, next move garbage. should be for Troy Weaver not to be GM. That seems like their next move. It should be their next move. Probably won't be. Because he does not have a good track record right now over these last couple of years. No, he's done bad. He's done a bad <laughs> job. He traded one center here for two more centers. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Just keep bringing in centers. Uh, I'm with you, Skeets. I think there's no reason the Pistons should be trading picks of any sort right yeah. now. They're obviously going to try and pull a Rockets over the summer, yeah. sign some high-character veterans, probably overpay them. They're going to be used a lot as leverage, absolutely, uh, over the summer. But, yeah, this is a, this. is these are some guys that you've heard of. They mm-hmm. got traded for each other. Yeah, and they might try and, you know, I, I guess get back some more draft capital, be it second-round picks or stuff like that. Like you said, Gallinari, Bogdanovich, uh, you know, Joe Harris maybe, Alec Burks maybe. You know, these are guys that maybe teams talk themselves into throwing a, you know, a second-round pick or two at to try and uh, acquire at the deadline here. I could see that. So maybe they, you know, get a little bit more in the uh, in the cupboards there. But, yeah, overall – Troy Weaver, I don't know what he's doing. It's 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 bad. It, it's really bad. <laughs> like when you go look through the moves that he's done recently. But we got a deal. We got a trade. <laughs> I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, the Pistons are trying to get some shooting here. And then I went and looked and Danilo Gallinari shooting 31% from three. And that's much better than Muscala, who's at 27%. Yeah. What happened to these guys? I know. Yeah. yeah. You imagine what those guys? To these former Hawks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you imagine being those guys? Like they find, hey, guys, come here. I think it happened. Or I guess that was Detroit telling their guys that they were being dealt. But like. Imagine telling uh, Gallinari and, and Muscala, who are on the Wizards, who aren't much better than the Pistons, like, right. hey, guys, you guys have been moved here. Uh, really appreciate you all your uh, support and your, you know, being veterans on this squad. And they're like, probably in their mind, they're like, yeah, all right, where are we going? Where are we getting rerouted to? <laughs> you're going to the Pistons. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you're going from a team that's got, what, seven wins to a team that's got three wins? Oh. I think they both know that they're not going to be there for long. No, I mean, they might That's be bio right. guys, too. Like, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Gallinari, yeah. can we get a second-round pick for this guy? They're, they're going to they're gonna try. Yeah. Gallinari started all right. I saw him hit some shots. Uh, but things have gotten a little bit colder. I think these two teams played together today. Today, yep. Yeah, the Pistons and the Wizards. <laughs> but they are not going through their uh, physicals. So uh, they're not playing. All those, those okay. dudes. All right, well, don't tune into that Doesn't one. Doesn't feel then. like it. No. Uh, Trey, who else you got for a winner? I got LaMelo Ball as a winner. He's back. 
Hadn't played since November 26th, basically since Thanksgiving, uh, dealing with some injuries. He came back, played a couple of games over the weekend, one against the Spurs, uh, in which the Hornets got completely destroyed, <laughs> lost by 36, but LaMelo went for 28 points, three rebounds, five assists, five steals, lost again on Sunday, we talked about it earlier, <laughs> to the Miami Heat. You're not expecting them. Eh, maybe they should have been at least close uh, yeah. against the Spurs. I mean, 36 a lot of blowouts going on right yeah. now. I'm just happy to see LaMelo is back. And most importantly for him, he gets to show off his neck tattoo. Mm -hmm. The NBA basically reversed their decision. They were having mm -hmm. him. They said they had weeks of discussion with LaMelo about covering up this LF tattoo on his neck. They made him put a bandage over it. Yep. He was playing with like a big black just piece of tape yep. on his neck through the first 17 games that he played uh, this season. But apparently... Over his his time off, they had some more discussions, and now he's allowed to display that LF on his neck, which is good for him, I suppose. <laughs> and honestly, the right move from the league. It's the guy's middle name. It does. It is also the name of his clothing brand, but I don't think that like people are like, whoa, LF on Lamelo Ball's neck? I got to go see what that stands for, and yeah. then they go uh, <laughs> to see what happened. But he can have his neck out, and he's playing <laughs> basketball right now. And all I want is for LaMelo Ball to play more than 36 games. That's how many games he played last year. He's only played 17 so far this season. I hope he stays healthy for the second half sure. of the season because it's at least a highlight festival. Yeah, I think uh, the general rule is don't throw a brand name on your body. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the rule. That's the old rule. But I think they're allowed to modernize a little bit. But still, I think it's going to be case by case. Like, you just can't throw a Louis Vuitton on your knee because they're advertising for you, you know? It's it's that kind of thing that's happened in the past. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, people have gone up to Rasheed Wallace and said, hey, uh, can you advertise Skittles on your arm? Or something. It was something like that. I'm making that up. But there was some candy out there. But it is going to be a case-by-case -case thing. I think with LaMelo, La France is fine. I think that's fine. <laughs> um, but it's just like we're going to talk about load management. In the beginning, they thought one way, and... The other now they want to push it the other way. So the uh, same thing goes with this, these rules. It's case by case. I it's think. just so silly. Like you see Lamelo with a giant black bandaid. I remember he had the bright blue there for mm -hmm. a couple games too. And you're like, you're like watching it going like, what the hell's under there? And then you're right. Try, <laughs> then you're googling. Well, what's under there? Like well, that's got to be something crazy. It's what's good he for got? Sales. I think. I think it worked out. Yeah, exactly. It's like actually makes it worse if that was the whole point. That uh, oh, we can't have that brand on there. Who cares? It's good he's back. I'm with you. Hopefully he plays. Uh, not that it's resulted in any sort of more wins here. We still, nah. we incredibly still have a bit of a race in the uh, nut dust bowl here between mm -hmm. the no dunks yeah, guys, between my wizards, between Trey's Hornets, and between Tass's Pistons, who are obviously coming up in the rear here, but still. One week, you know, one good week oh, yes. for Detroit. You know, two <laughs> wins in a week, and a we got a hell week. of a race. Oh, give us a two-win month, Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Maybe yeah. back in the race easily. Yeah, so it's not over. Yeah. It's not oh, over, no, it's despite not over. your team having three wins. That's, that's right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because they've had a lot of close losses, like the one to, this weekend to the Rockets. They went to the oh, over, well, they overtime. They should have with, won that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh they're my better. God. Yeah, they've, they've done some good things then. In losses. <laughs> uh, final winner of the weekend to NBA All-Star Weekend content. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, Shams over the weekend told us that the NBA is finalizing plans for the Clippers to host the 2026 All-Star Weekend at Steve Ballmer's new Intuit Dome. That's the one with all the shitters, everyone. So uh, you won't be standing in line at All-Star Weekend if you got to take a dump. There's a million toilets in this place. So now we have, uh, obviously, Indy. <laughs> 
And the Pacers for uh, 2024 coming up here soon. San Francisco and the Warriors for 25. And then it sounds like it's going to be L.A. and the Clippers on track for uh, 2026. So after all of these like cold weather spots that we've had the last couple of All-Star weekends, we're going to have two really there back-to-back in 25 and 26 in San Francisco and in L.A. Not a surprise. You build a new stadium, you'll generally get an All-Star weekend. Exactly right. Uh, I'm excited. Short flight to Hawaii from both uh, San Francisco and L.A. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying, you know, postgame. Wow. Uh, and I don't know about you, Skeets, but when I travel, I have a hard time doing a number two. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to make sure it happens at All-Star 2026. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm locking it in. <laughs> well, yeah, I joked on Twitter that we could have a challenge where we try and uh, go to every toilet. In the arena. Not maybe uh, actually go, but... While, while being filmed. Maybe go look at it. Yeah. Like, count them. We yeah, should count them. Bring but cameras you, in there. Good yeah, idea. Yeah, you want ca- camera work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I assume there are individual stalls, so you can go in by yourself. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I forgot true. to mention, no stalls. All we the we no got 2,000 crappers in this dome, but we forgot to build walls between them all. It's just one big room. It's like that weird room when you would go to the cabin or cottage, that attic room where there's 20 beds. And they're all in one room. That's what we did at the Intuit Dome. Just all shitters. Uh, In other All-Star Weekend news, um, this is sort of fun. The Indianapolis Airport, they installed a full-court basketball uh, court in their uh, uh, airport to celebrate, obviously, All-Star Weekend, which is, again, a couple weeks here. Uh, What do we think of this? I know some people are very pissed off. You can't play on it. (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's just a like, like there's no obviously there's no there's not a rack of balls that uh people going through the airport can just like shoot around and stuff like that well, what if is, you packed a ball i, I know i and think they would tell you up. to stop i think they would tell you to stop but you get one shot up exactly you absolutely would now a lot of i mean a lot of jokes about this uh i saw sean Yu on twitter saying imagine imagining a world where group one plays group five to 21 to see who boards first okay i love it love that uh i saw somebody else write before a flight you can challenge a first class passenger for their seat fantastic idea um also, a lot of people say, imagine getting on a plane just drenched with a bunch of people who have been running it back for hours. But pretty cool looking. And uh, yeah, they just keep it there all the time. And you looks, should be able to shoot around. It looks to me, I mean, it's just a picture, but from the picture, it looks like people aren't sure if they know that they're allowed to walk yeah, on Yeah, right? yeah. I think you're right. Like, can I cross this? I mean, Is that you okay? S- you see they have like the little um, ropes or whatever, like around yeah. the mm-hmm. basket. I guess they just don't want you to climb it i don't know but yeah but yeah <laughs> the rope the stanchion yeah it, it's blocked just at the stanchion so it feels like you can just shoot it up <laughs> yeah if you want so why not so bring your own ball byob yeah to I'm the sure, indy I, airport yeah i'm sure they're gonna start selling balls right there i mean that'd be that, that that place there that sells food i'd rather sell balls i think they're gonna make more money there i, I just saw that place i don't want to eat there i want to buy a ball from there though oh, well, you're gonna have to bring <laughs> a ball to us and we're going to all-star weekend in indianapolis and uh, we have more details but there will be a live show we're 99 sure there will on friday night we will have details to come but if you are going to be in the area or planning to go for all-star weekend you know, keep that keep that friday night open for a little no dunks live show in indianapolis can't wait Uh, All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, NBA Weekend Losers. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, 
courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, to everybody joining us live right now on YouTube, take a second, hit that like button, and just make sure you have subscribed to No Dunks as we get closer and closer to 100,000 subs. We're very close to 95,000, so we're getting there. We might do this before All-Star Weekend, so uh, thank you for playing your part. Okay, let's get to NBA Weekend Losers. Trey, you get us started here. Who's your big loser from the weekend? I had the Memphis Grizzlies as winners of the weekend last weekend. Oh, now they're losers of the weekend because since then, we found out Ja Moran is going to be out for the season with shoulder surgery. Marcus Smart is out at least six weeks with a dislocated finger. And then on Friday, Desmond Bain rolled his ankle against the Clippers, stepped on Kawhi Leonard's foot. The team has announced that he's going to be out for at least six weeks. And let's just throw Jake LaRavia in there because he rolled his ankle too. He's out for three weeks as well. Uh, reserve wing there for the Grizzlies. It is going to be a long month for Grizzlies fans if uh, Bain and Smart are out for six weeks. They played against the Knicks on Saturday, started Xavier Tillman, Vince Williams, David Roddy, Luke Kennard, and Jacob Gilliard. In related story, they did not beat the New York Knicks with that starting lineup. This is a bummer, though. Like, everybody is getting hurt for the Grizzlies with significant injuries, right? Like, none of these have been one or two weeks where they're coming back quickly or maybe even surprising us with how quickly they're coming back. Stephen Adams, out for the season. Brandon Clark, they might as well just keep him out for the yep. season at this point. Then, obviously, the ones that have happened this year. And that's a bummer because Bain has been having a pretty solid season. 25 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists per game, 47, 38, and 86 shooting splits. He's had a lot more responsibility this year with Ja only being able to play a handful of games with Smart struggling up until, basically, he went out with an injury. Bain has been the go-to guy. He's been a little overtaxed, but he's been pretty solid and now it's just six more weeks without him they're gonna be tough to watch and they are gonna have a long month but at least they'll get a good draft pick and maybe they'll hit the lottery who knows yeah it stinks um maybe they gotta build a new stadium like steve bomber that's the only thing that's winning i see uh (laughs) here um sneaky clippers thing that they did there Gave Kawhi the extension. Then they started selling season seats immediately the day after. Then they announced the All-Star game. There's a reason for that because, obviously, they didn't want fans going into this offseason saying, we lost in the first round. We're not going to buy season seats, but now Kawhi's there. Now the All-Star game's there. Things have changed. Uh, Unfortunately for the Grizzlies, yeah, it is time to just get bad. That's it. They uh, necessarily just have to pull the plug. <laughs> Unfortunately, on it. they picked the wrong year to try and be really bad I mean, <laughs> when we have uh, four or five other teams that can barely win ten games. But you never know. You, <laughs> you never, never know. know. In a lottery, in you a lottery, anything those can happen. Balls are bouncing. They've That's got Derrick Rose on their team. That's what the Hub Bulls got number one pick. You know, That's a great point. That's true. That's a great point. It does feel like uh, John Taffer walked into Memphis and just said, "Shut it down! <laughs> <laughs> Shut it down!" Because everybody is injured, and uh, you know Desmond Bain. I feel bad for him because he was going to be the classic when we were making all-star picks. 
he was going to get some honorable mentions. He was, was going to be like, hey, look at the numbers this guy's putting up. He's playing really, really well, but you're not going to make it because the team stinks and there's so many good guards in the West and all that. He was going to get some nice what about this guy mentions, but <laughs> uh, you know now he won't even get that because uh, he'll be injured as the All-Star game is uh, you know being selected and being underway. So rough, rough year from the Grizzlies. I think we can pivot from them. Tass, who do you have for a loser? Well, I have another team that should be pulling the plug, essentially. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, because I feel like it's over in terms of the construction of this team working. Mm. It just doesn't seem like it at all. I'm not going quite Pistons. But, yeah, I mean, we watched them this past weekend. They got trucked, essentially, in two games. We've all been bamboozled. We all thought it was going to work with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and DeAndre Hunter and, and then Jalen Johnson and then uh, Clint Capella. It has not. The Hawks were pounded 126-108 by a Tyrese Halliburton-less Pacers team on Friday. Right. Um, they got trucked. Indiana scored 28 points in the paint in the first quarter on Friday. How does that happen? 14 baskets in the paint because you're not playing defense at all. And then Washington on Sunday or on Saturday, excuse me, in a back-to-back. This is Washington. This is not a good team. This is a team that's <laughs> at the bottom uh, that has a far worse record uh, than the Atlanta Hawks. And they just strolled into the lane as well. Uh, the Wizards won by 28 points. Points in the paint, 60 to 36. Again, uh, they're the, one of the worst running, rebounding teams in the game. They got they out-rebounded the Hawks, no problem. The Hawks had a bad offensive night, something they're actually good at. They shot 34% from the field. They didn't score 100 points first time of the season. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, Trey Young after the game, noting that they need a new roster and his head coach needs one. He said, quote, Quinn is such a cerebral coach and cerebral person. He needs time. He needs people in there who are going to listen and just give the effort that he says. That's essentially saying I, I need a new shooting guard beside me because what Quinn Snyder did in Utah, if you remember, Donovan Mitchell had like a Royce O'Neal beside him. He had like guys who were playing defense beside him. And uh, I think DeJounte Murray will be traded. I think the guy that's going to stay there is Trey Young. Uh, and essentially they're just going to try to find defenders around and people might say well i know they're eight games under 500 but a few years ago in 2021 they were bad yes. you know this yes. slow start 14 we 20 they went to the conference finals well, yeah and then the next year 17 25 they went to the playoffs and then even last year started slow they ended up taking a couple games from the celtics in the playoffs but they can't do it forever where they're just bad and then they're good to bad so i do think that there's going to be a trade and it's going to be Dejounte murray because I think he's tasty for other teams because he's got such a long contract, depending on the roster. But it's a long contract that's sort of, he's sort of cheap for Dejounte Murray. So I threw some in the I threw some in the, the training machine there this weekend. I did it. I'm, I'm not so confident about them. I see Philly. If they want to do this, it's possible. But I would see the Hawks loving DeAnthony Melty coming back. Melton could be beside Trey Young. I say him first because I think that's the biggest part. It's DeAnthony Melton, Robert Cummington, maybe a first-round pick, maybe. I don't know. I could see him going to the Knicks for Quentin Grimes because the Hawks have liked him in the past. There was a a rumor that they're going to trade him for Cam Reddish. Uh, And maybe Dante DiVincenzo, first-round pick. No, they're not going to include that. Uh, And then the Lakers, meh. Nothing too exciting there. So there's just nothing extremely exciting, I think, for the Hawks. Uh, But, but, but. You know, like with the Utah Jazz, and I said Royce O'Neal beside Donovan Mitchell, like that kind of guy. And I think D'Anthony Melton could be that kind of guy. We're just – listen, the offense is great. It's phenomenal this year. It's really, really good. Um, so they just need – they need guys who try. To quote Trey Young, 
he just needs people who are going to listen and just give the effort. <laughs> so uh, the chemistry isn't there. And the DeAndre Hunter thing hasn't worked out. It's a little Pistons-like where they give guys contracts. Here you go. Here you go. And unfortunately, uh, they haven't lived up to the expectations. So that's why I think it's happening. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter and DeJounte Murray were supposed to solve the defensive issues. Yeah. On the perimeter. That, and true. they haven't. I mean, Hunter, you know, he can't play. He's never healthy. And he's not all that good. And then uh, DeJounte Murray was the real one where it was like, yeah, we all thought it made sense. And he's gotten to be a little bit worse. Obviously, uh, I think part of it being moved off of the ball a little bit, playing alongside Trey. But defensively, too. Um, doesn't look like elite on that level. This guy was making like an all-defensive team in San Antonio. And it's not the case here in San in, in uh, Atlanta. So I'm with you. They need to, They need to do something. They need to trade... Everybody should be available to be traded outside of like Jalen Johnson, who looks like he could be something. And, you know, I guess you decide about the Trey Young of it all. Uh, otherwise, everybody should be available to be got, I think. At where they are and how they play, it's it's sort of sad. Yeah, exactly. And Tess is, you're saying they're good on offense. I agree, they're good, but they're not great. They're eighth. Like, that's fine, but they're just as close to 20th as they are to first, you know? They could be better, and I kind of think that's the way they should go. As long as Trey Young is the leader of the team, they're not going to play defense. That's just how it is. <laughs> you, can, you, Durante Murray, he was a defense first player. He comes and he sees the leader getting trucked every time, not giving an effort. Guess what? I'm not giving an effort either. Capella, he's like, I can't clean up for this the entire time. Quinn Snyder, Trey Young says he wants guys who listen and give effort. Trey Young has played harder on defense yeah, this year, but it's not enough. Uh, and obviously, so you think they should just lean into like almost the Halliburton Pacers sort of idea of like yeah. just go yeah. go all offense. Yes, yeah. I think it's too hard to build a defense around Trey right. Young's um, limitations because then eventually you start playing all these defense first guys who can't do anything on the offensive mm-hmm. end, like right. a Capella, like John Collins at the end of his tenure here. A lot of stuff has changed around Trey Young in Atlanta. That's the only thing that hasn't changed yet. He is not on the block, but it's coming soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, summer probably. They'll start talking. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do think they just need guys that buy in a little bit more. I mean, they have dropped down a little bit offensively, but they were pretty good until recently, where they were like top five for a while. Um, and yeah, they just it's like Steph in Golden State to try and copy copy what they do there. Steph isn't the best defender, but he tries hard enough, and Trey's picked it up this year um so but trey is not steph offensively no but they've been ra- not- they've been like ranked like second third for a while and sometimes i understand that it's 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 not been good enough <laughs> recently in the last few years so things aren't tasting all that good mm-hmm. um but i don't know <sighs> So is it time to give up on Trey is the essential, yeah, what, the, what the discussion the, is? The, that'll be the question pretty soon. But, I mean, obviously, Trey is an offensive force. Like, the guy's 29 points, 11 assists a game. He might be starting the All-Star game this year. He can give you a good offense. But how many times can you keep trying to have a good offense and not having it be the best offense in the league? Uh, the yeah. levels, there's just levels to it, right? Like, you've seen what the makeover Halliburton has given the Pacers. Basically, right away, he came in and they became one of the best offenses in league history. Trey Young is in his sixth season at this point, and they're good. Fifth season, I, I think, yeah. maybe. Um, and they're good, uh, but they're not great. And they have not been great since he's been the guy. He shoots 42%. He doesn't shoot 50%. I'm, uh, I'm heading down to the Fortress here later today for a little Spurs-Hawks action. 
get to see some Wemby up close and personal. I believe he's playing. I'm sure I'll see 20 to 22 minutes from Wemby, but uh, yeah, we'll see what type of effort we get from the Hawks here. Um, knowing them, they'll they'll win. <laughs> they'll win by 25. They're an it infuriating the team. They're an infuriating. Yeah, but they just lost to the Wizards, like you said, and got cooked by the Pacers without Halliburton. It's very bad right now. They're sort of hitting close to rock bottom on their season. Uh, as they yep. start to slide here in the standings and just the vibe around it all and obviously the trade rumors. And now we're even, rightfully so, discussing, hold on, is it Trey Young they should actually be look to be moving here? Um, thank God for Jalen Johnson. Other, I mean, he is the one lone bright spot, I would say, from this Hawks season that he actually got an opportunity and he's played really well. Not that it's resulted in a ton of wins, but that's, you know, you're not going to ask him to sort of carry a team at this point yet. But no, this at least is, he looks like a keeper. This team is eight games under 500. Yeah, I mean, um, it's... It's it's the bottom right now, unfortunately. Uh, loser of the weekend to the Portland Trailblazers. Here's why. They lost to the Suns last night, 127-116. Uh, Scoot had a good game. This was one good thing. Career-high 33 points. He had nine assists. But it was Portland's fourth straight loss. They've lost seven of their last eight, eight of their last ten. Now, they were really hurt by injuries, or illnesses, I should say, uh, on Sunday. Maybe these guys are just sick of playing for their team. But Jeremy Grant, Matisse Thibel, late scratches because of illness. So they had eight players. And when I tell you the Blazers have one hell of a whoo roster going, I am not lying. You sickos might know Dwapreeth. He plays, right? He's their starting center. And he's been okay at times. But you had Chris Murray who's obviously the brother of Keegan Murray. He had 37 minutes off the bench last night for Portland. And then two guys that I would assume not a lot of people know of. Justin Manaya. I'm not even pronouncing his name right. Apologies. Manaya. He scored a single point in 17 minutes for the Blazers. Justin Manaya. And then they have a French shooting guard named Ryan Rupert. <laughs> he hit a bunch of threes in the loss, but you're you're probably out there going, who are you talking about? Dwap Reith and Ryan Rupert and Justin Manaya? Like, these are guys that are getting, like, minutes. Like, really opportunities because they're just so depleted and their season has gotten away from them. During their seven-game road trip, the Blazers lost by at least 21 points six times. These are not even competitive games. They're absolute just shellackings. Their lone win came against Brooklyn. It was in overtime. And Billups, after the road trip, said, just a tough trip, but it turned out to be even tougher than I thought it would. <laughs> what? <laughs> Man, when your head coach is saying that, like, uh, we knew we'd probably go one and six, but uh, wow, I thought we'd at least have some more competitive games. We lost everything by about 20 plus, but it's just bad in Portland right now. That's it. They've been under 100 points in five of their last seven games. Right. That's hard to do in yeah, 2024. Today's game, yeah, yeah, good point. So, uh, anyway, keep your eye on Ryan Rupert and Justin Manaya and Dwapreeth, who has one of the best names in the league. I'll give him that. Great name. Uh, but it's rough. These guys aren't playing. And you said about the Pistons and some of their moves they might make at the deadline here. Same thing could be said for the Blazers, of course, outside a few of their guys that are untouchable. Yeah. You know, are they really – they move in Brogdon. Are they move in Time Lord? Are they move in uh, Grant is the big one, I guess. DeAndre Aiden. I mean, they just <laughs> uh, it is it is odd because they just went for it with all those vets. That's a lot of vets um, with with Brogdon, Robert Williams, DeAndre Aiden. So they kind of went. They they thought they could balance both. Yeah. Um, and if you're if you want to get something for Brogdon, who's who's getting getting up there in age, mm-hmm. it's probably time. Uh, 
quick other little round here. Anyone else for a loser of the weekend? I got a big loser of the weekend, and it's the Bulls fans who booed Jerry Krause at their Ring of Honor ceremony. Embarrassing for all Bulls fans. Classless from the people who did. Uh, There's lots of history that goes into why Jerry Krause would be booed. Kelly Dwyer had a great write-up on his Substack, The Second Arrangement. John Greenberg had a great one. Um, For The Athletic, these are guys who, like, lived through the dynasty, and they know that Jerry Krause has been getting booed since before the Bulls were winning championships. So it could have been expected that it was going to happen, which means to me the Bulls should have done something to kind of, like, do their best to make sure that it didn't happen because it's a terrible look and embarrassing for the franchise to be booing a dead man. And then they cut to his (laughs) – they cut to his – Widow sitting there yeah. in tears. You know, shout out to Ron Harper came and uh, comforted her right away as it was happening. Uh, shout out to Stacey King. He spoke up as they came back to the third quarter, uh, calling out the fans who were booing. Everything else was bad, though. And I don't know. It's just like I think Adam Amin said on the broadcast, like it just leaves a pit in your stomach. Yeah. And for me, that's exactly what it was. I was watching it live. I was not shocked that Jerry Krause got booed. Absolutely. Um but that's just not the time for it. Like, the guy's been dead for years at this point. He is a huge part of Bulls history. The way it ended with Jerry Krause uh, and the Bulls obviously uh, has colored the way things have gone ever since. Uh, but this is a time when you can just cheer because you're honoring the greats of the franchise for the first time, putting them all in the ring of honor. So it's the kind of thing that's going to stick with Bulls fans. Like, it'll get brought up all the time. Like, yeah. Eagles fans booing Santa Claus a million years ago. It'll just keep getting brought up. The Bulls will do another ring of honor in 2026, and that's what people will be talking about. So it was a terrible look. And, you know, the Bulls are taking a lot of hits for it. Rightfully so. Yeah, extremely unfortunate. Uh, I do appreciate how everybody sitting beside Thelma um, Jerry Cross's widow did go support her, and also Steve Kerr, uh, who was there, you know, with the Warriors, spoke out about it later on, saying how how bad he felt that they'd essentially been booing Jerry Cross for you know, forty years almost <laughs> since since the mid '80s almost, um, and they just keep going, and they just don't understand that there's absolutely there's no need for that. Why it started and why it's become such a such a habit of these fans, obviously unfortunate, but it's it's way past. Um, and and I'm sure they watched the last dance and saw Jerry Krause in there and, and how he was made fun of the jokes there. Um, but really, the man has passed, and yeah, there's absolutely no need for that. It should have just been a celebration moment. It was a very tough watch. It's one of these things I saw going around Twitter, and you like you see the headline, like of course the Bulls fans booed Jerry Krause, and I'm like, okay, what's the big deal? And then you see the clip, and you're like. Oh my God, it's worse than I thought, right? When you uh, read what it is because of the booing him in general is sort of a little weird. Like you said, Trey, it's like, okay, maybe just don't do anything if you really don't love the guy. It is like a a ring of honor celebration here with all these other Bulls legends. But then to cut to Thelma, who's sitting there visibly upset by it all, was like, oh, your heart went out for her. So yeah, and going to be tough to shake this, no doubt. That's one of these things that just, like, sticks to a franchise, sticks to a fan base, right or wrong. It is what it is. And people booed her. There was a lot of boos there. I feel, I do feel like it was one of those things, like, hey, we boo this guy all the time. Here we go, boos, because his his, picture, his photo's up on the mm-hmm. Jumbotron or whatever. And then it did cut to Thelma, and I felt like there was some, like, pullback of the boos, but Definitely it was too, was. It was too mm-hmm. late. It was like, ah, uh, ah, uh, okay. But anyway, moving on from that, uh, that's a loser of the weekend. 
No doubt. Uh, final list of the weekend. Interested to hear your take on it, guys, whether or not you think it is. The league released a long-awaited report on load management this weekend. David Aldridge at The Athletic, great article on this. Uh, chief among the findings in this 57-page report was, quote, Resting healthy players for a game to help prevent future injuries doesn't make those players less susceptible, susceptible <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say, uh, to future injury than players who aren't rested for games. End quote. So, and oh, hold on, scratch that. It actually says, historically, they don't have sound evidence demonstrating that load management through reduced game participation reduces injuries. But to be clear, they also lack evidence that load management fails to reduce injuries. So they just don't have the evidence that it is real. But this is a big 180 here from the league on the idea of load management, which we talked about for years. And they, Silver was always saying, yeah, the teams, man, the data backs it up. Mm-hmm. They've, they've, they've gone through this. It actually makes sense to rest these guys and back-to-back situations and three and four nights and reduce minutes and all that. And now this, this report that has like 10 years worth of data, they're like, no, it actually doesn't show that at all. At least the evidence doesn't show it. What? So, it, I mean, I have this as a loser of the weekend. I really just wanted to address it. What do you, what do you think? Or what do you make of all this? When Adam Silver first talked about it years ago, he basically said, there is evidence. If you look at the medical reports, there is evidence that sitting out will help your career in the future. So I feel like I have been bamboozled. Uh, like, like unfortunately, basically what's happening is the TV deal is beginning in a couple months. The, the, the talks between the NBA and everyone <laughs> begins in March. And so I think that's what this is all about. This is all about just trying to get a reputation back of the league that guys don't sit for any reason, uh, so that's what that's what this is about. Just to be able to sell every single game, to be able to sell eighty-two games for as much as possible. Um, but it, it, it's, I guess, there are medical reports in this particular article and why they've they why they reversed um, their their view about it. I think it's just hard to prove um, that it, it that it helps people's careers, but I think it does. <laughs> but it's it is just a difficult thing to to prove. So. Really, it just feels like nothing to read about here. And it's really what it comes down to is they should just be playing fewer games in general so that we don't have to play back-to-backs um, or yeah, well, give guys rest. Again, I think that's what it comes down to. Ten years' worth of data says missing games for rest or load management does not reduce future injury rates. Schedule density, including back-to-backs, does not impact future injury rates. And playing a high number of minutes or even games does not impact future injury rates which you're right i mean for years silver in the league was saying the opposite they were preaching strong data from nba teams you know load management it does help prevent future injuries but now they're saying the opposite that you know this report says the opposite yeah and they're basically saying we were just listening to the teams we had all of our own data we just hadn't really looked into it yet but i don't know it's just weird uh, i like the quote that says this doesn't prove that load management doesn't work yeah. but it really calls into question the conventional wisdom that it does really makes you think <laughs> right. that's exactly what they're doing here they're just trying to muddy the waters is what it seems like to me because you're right Tass. it's very hard to prove whether or not load management does or doesn't work to prevent injuries, especially you go and compare it to historical data for stars missing games when stars played a lot more games back in the 90s. But guess what? Everybody was skinnier. People weren't playing as hard on both ends of the ball in the 90s. Things have changed. 
over the course of 30 years, the stress on your body is different too. So it's kind of hard to compare different generations of players as well. But I think what happened is the league at the beginning of the season said load management doesn't work. And everybody's like, wait a second, how could you possibly say that after years of saying it does work? So they had to come out with some kind of a report. It's not an independent report. It's somebody that the NBA paid. So of course they're coming out on that their side. And it's, Interesting as a fan and as a commentator, right? Because you're like, on one hand, it feels like it does work, but also you like seeing the players play more often. So what should it be? Should we be forcing them to play or should we be reinterpreting the data so that they want to play more? I don't know, but players are playing more right now. That's good, I guess. (laughs) I like watching basketball players play. And I want to make this clear. We say this all the time when we talk about load management. This usually comes from the teams, physicians, their sports scientists, uh, their front offices, they're the ones usually pushing the load management idea. It's it's less from the players. In fact, we get a lot of like like low key griping a lot from players. Like you know, like uh, I I I'm healthy. I could play. Like they want to play. I think generally most of these guys have no issues playing most of the games. It's the teams trying to like prevent future injuries because they're you know they're so important to their success and all that. You understand why? But uh, yeah, all of this. Under the umbrella, I say all of this, now this new uh, load management report saying, hey, doesn't matter. You guys should play. That's not going to have any effect on whether you're injured. Um, stuff like, obviously, the in-season tournament and the play-in tournament and the evening of uh, sort of the draft odds, so you don't want to lean into tanking. All of this is to, like, build up the regular season. That, hey, this matters. This is all something here, guys. And, wow, interesting timing of it all when you have uh, huge negotiations for oh, billions of dollars of television money and streaming money. Yeah, they, they changed it up before this season. It was when, was when the, hey, you got to play every single game rule came out, essentially. But really, when there, ha- there haven't been a ton of sitting out, e- even this season. But when they do sit out, it's because they play back-to-backs. If, they, if we just eliminated those, if we just made the season two weeks longer, um, the tch, guys wouldn't want to play back-to-backs. Guys say, literally, these are incredible athletes that say that flying somewhere and playing the, night, uh, the day after is just, it's just taxing. You know, whether or not they get healthy or, or, or can stay healthy is, is different. But they obviously don't feel good. And obviously, guys are still going to get hurt. So it doesn't really yeah. – and that's why it's difficult to prove because there's always going to be injuries in this sport yes. regardless of how many, how many games are played. But – so that, really, I mean, the back-to-backs are killer. What's happened, though, or it, like the pendulum swung so far one way, it was like, so what? You're tired. You're paid pretty handsomely to be a little tired in the second game of a back-to-back after your private flight. Mm-hmm. That's what people were saying, and I think there's some truth to that. And again, a lot of the players would want to play, but it was like, what are you doing, teams? Like, you know, And then we get into the situation where obviously Curry's not playing in Cleveland and this family of four has spent all this money. And here's the other thing. The league sells this league on players. That's what they do. So then you can't turn around and say, well, well, the star players aren't actually playing. Well, that's how you sell this league. That's what they've done for years, and it's worked. It's Curry versus LeBron. It's not usually the Warriors versus the Lakers, right? So yeah. that's where it's like you can't uh, – that's, that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow, I think, and what, why they're now <laughs> – are pivoting back maybe somewhere to where, yeah, you should want to play, and these guys should play yeah, outside I mean, of injuries. I, yeah. Again, it's right before TV deals are, are negotiated, so that's why they're doing it. But <laughs> – if back-to-backs were safe to play, then why don't we have them in the postseason? They don't. They play games every second day. Yeah. So why don't they just play back-to-backs in the in the playoffs? Just play back-to-backs. Come on, they play baseball every day in the, in right. the playoffs. Yeah. Just do it. You know why? Right. Because it's not safe and because, guys, they don't want to play the second day. 
They don't. So they just have to get rid of back-to-backs in the regular season. That's that's what they do. I think that should be the first and foremost thing. And But it is making the season longer if you continue to play 82 games. And maybe they don't want to do that because people will, won't watch as many games uh, in general. So maybe that hurts the TV deals. But anyways, I think what they did this year, as you said, guys are playing. <laughs> the guys are playing games this season. There have been some games that are set out, but they aren't national TV games. Why? Because they scheduled them like that uh, to make sure that they weren't part of back-to-backs. They did that so we could get a good TV deal. Yeah. Uh, They're saying be they... selective when you rest your guys. Yeah. Watch out if it's a nationally televised game. Watch right. out if it's on the road, like all this yeah. stuff. But they know that they're going to sit back-to-back games, and that's happened. Anthony Davis has sat them out. Obviously, Chris Milton sits them out a ton. There's, there's, there's still some guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a way. There's a way. Anyway. Play every second day. Highly encourage you, uh, if you have a, an athletic subscription, to go read Aldridge on the report, breaking it all down. Got some quotes in there. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Tweet of the Night comes from a man named at Jack M. Sully. I saw this tweet and I said, huh, that's a good tweet here, Jack. Uh, Detroit has been hogging the spotlight. But the bottom five teams in the league, the Pistons, plus the Blazers, the Hornets, the Spurs, and the Wizards, are just as historically bad. We need a good nickname for that group. I like that, Jack. You know, we can, like, do a crowdsourcing here on a potential nickname for these really bad five teams. I very quickly this morning came up with some suggestions. I'm not saying these are good, but I'll chuck them at you guys. Maybe you like one more than the other. Maybe you have your own. Uh, the Bad News Ballers. That one won't stick. I like this one more. The Soggy Bottom Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're a fan of this team, you are a fan of Constant Sorrow. <laughs> okay, it works. Um... You know how, like, in soccer we get the groups and everyone goes, ooh, when it's really elite, it's like the group of death? What about just the group of actual death? We call it that. <laughs> <laughs> They're all it's awful. that bad. Um, the 14%. Uh-huh. Because okay. that's okay. like your your best chance at a number one pick. You, now now that's only the top three. Then it goes down a little mm. bit. But anyway, the 14%, maybe something there. And then I wanted something that rhymed a little bit. 
So how about the deprived five? There's a couple yeah. there. There are some work there, yeah, for sure. But we do need something. Right now, it seems like the Soggy Bottom Boys is the <laughs> clubhouse leader. <laughs> got the biggest pod. <laughs> Bad News Ballers, okay. Maybe I went too quickly past that no, one. You didn't mind that there's one? A few. There's a few. Okay. I think this is a good poll for people out there. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some takers. <laughs> How about the dusters? The, oh, for Those us. All yeah. our nut dust teams here. <laughs> <laughs> bottom of the baggers. <laughs> the bottom of the bag. That's not bad either. Bottom of the bag is pretty good, especially in the no dunks world. Yeah, that's crazy to see. Like, the Grizzlies have had a really tough season. They've had so many injuries. They're only 13 and 26. They've got a bad point differential, minus 5.33. And they are four points better <laughs> than the Spurs at minus nine. And then, you know, minus nine for the Wizards, the Blazers, and then minus 11 for the Pistons and the Hornets. But, you know, I guess the Pistons are probably happy looking at that because they are not last in point differential. <laughs> it's the Hornets. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. The Hornets, I think, have lost 16 of their last 17. Like, again, what a year for you to be shitty because it can just, like, totally go under the radar thanks to Detroit and their uh, epic losing streak and how they only have three yeah, yeah. wins out of 39. Like, I mean, when, when will it really ramp up that the uh, Pistons might set the all-time record here? When do you think people start really taking notice? Like, after the All-Star break. Yeah, after yeah, the All-Star break. March, maybe. <laughs> if they still have four wins, people right. are going to be like, whoa, it's in play here. Because what's the worst? Nine for an 82-game season, mm-hmm. but then the Seven Bobcats. Seven for the 66-game season. Is yeah, that right? I think the, that's right. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're on a seven-game losing streak right now after uh, snapping the streak <laughs> against the Raptors and then hopping right back on another one. I wonder if they get to a second 10-game losing streak, like back-to-back, if that starts putting even more eyeballs on the Pistons. Mm. We'll mm. see. Well, they got the Wizards tonight. <laughs> I mean, that's a big game. <laughs> that is a huge that's game. That's a big game in the Dust Bowl. Oh, it's a massive <laughs> that's game. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And Monty Williams this weekend said, uh, you know, I should be questioned because I haven't played Jaden Ivey enough. And uh, they're going to play Jaden Ivey. Yeah, that, he's going to beat the Wizards. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not like you're winning games and he's buried on the bench. Yeah. You yeah. may want to play him. may yeah. want to give it a go. <laughs> Crazy. All right, let's call it there, guys, uh, here on a Monday. Winners and losers of the NBA weekend. I'm sure we missed some. You tell us. Let us know in the YouTube comments. You can tweet at us at No Dunks Inc. Uh, lots of games on today. I think they start at 1 o'clock, I want to say. The MLK Day action starts, and then there's like, you know, 2 o'clock, 3.30, all throughout the day. Some games yeah, on TNT, so uh, enjoy the basketball. And we'll be back here tomorrow to talk about as much of it as possible, 10 a.m. Eastern. Until then... Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, happy MLK Day. Brace the day, people.